0: Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game.
1: Then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her
0: guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy.
1: It's your life. Live it your way. That's a quote by Bob. Hoskins, and you will understand when I introduce my guest to you why I picked that quote. So welcome again to The Profitable Photographer. I am still Lucy and still so excited that y'all are out there listening. There's been over 60,000 downloads, and so I'm hoping you're getting some good value out of this. I want to do some Q&A episodes. So if you are getting from my private group, The Profitable Photographer, or The Page, if you're getting those notices, I'll watch for the request for you to post some questions you'd like me to discuss that could help you and everyone else be more profitable. Okay, so I'm excited to have Arika Dorf on the show again. She was a guest maybe a year and a half ago, I think we were in the thick of trying to figure out what the heck to do in the middle of the pandemic. Um, And so today's conversation, um, I can't wait to hear what she's been up to in the last year and a half plus. Um, Arika is a traveling pet photographer, and she treks across the country every fall in her camper van for her annual pet photography road trip. After a decade As Las Vegas's top pet photographer, she sold her studio and hit the road with her bloodhound, Gracie. She's taking her experience owning a luxury studio storefront and applied it to running a mobile business. She has her PPA photographic craftsman degree, and she loves to speak and teach as well as host her pet photography retreats so hello 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 again hi how are you lucy i'm good i'm good good, good to see uh, you again yeah so what has happened since we last chatted in your life um, oh gosh well let me yeah, go well, let me go back first is <laughs> sure. um why did you decide to shut your doors and go on the road
0: i well i was married at the time And my husband and I wanted to leave Las Vegas, which we did. And I moved to Washington State, took a big break from photography. Well, a year off. I took a year off from photography and um, actually didn't think I was ever going to shoot again. I was kind of burnt out from the studio. And and I decided um, about a year later to start traveling a little bit and, yeah, I thought I would try the mobile business model. I didn't know anyone doing it. Mm-hmm. It was just something I was like, oh, that'd be fun. I want to I wanna try traveling, and I want to take my dog with me, and maybe people want portrait sessions along the way. So that's kind of just how it got started. I just kind of threw it out there on Facebook. And, um, it, you know, after the first couple road trips, I was like, oh, this is like a legit business model, you know? Like, mm-hmm. since I didn't have the overhead of a studio, I was keeping – so much more money I mean such a higher percentage of money in my pocket than I was when I had the studio my paycheck at that point had doubled from when I had my studio you know my salary that I was paying myself and mm-hmm. I was only doing that for three months out of the year so it's pretty amazing so now that's just what I do I just mm-hmm. work for three months out of the year take nine months off
1: so what do you do in the other nine months then
0: I'm just hanging out. I'm just traveling. I'm following the weather. Honestly, that's what it is. Um, You know, when my road trip is done, I usually head down to um, California, Nevada, Arizona area, and just stay in the warm weather and just kind of bounce around that area, visiting family, going to, you know, Van Lifer events. And um, once it starts to get warm, I start to head north. Mm. So. So where is home home officially? Um, I live full time in the camper van. Okay. Yeah. I live full time. So just me and Gracie. Yeah. Could you
1: see this working for somebody that didn't want to be in a van? but
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I was doing this for four years, three or four years um, out of my SUV um, when I was living in a house. So I was living in a house. And then I was um, doing my three month road trip. I would just throw a bed in the back of my SUV. Which you don't have to do it that way. That's just my gypsy spirit that was right. wanting to travel like that. You could totally go and stay in hotels and all of that. Right. Um, but yeah, I was doing that for three months, and then going back to Washington and living in a house for mm-hmm. nine months. So, so- yeah, I kind of tested the business model for mm-hmm. those few years just to make sure that it was, you know, a viable thing. And mm-hmm. yeah. But- before I built my camper van and moved out of a house and moved into the camper van. And yeah. Yeah. So someone
1: could, if they wanted to, let's say, rent vacation rentals uh, where they drive and they go to a location and, and such do that. If somebody like me's past the time of sleeping in the back of my, my SUV.
0: (laughs) Well, and that's the thing that like, for me having the camper van, like, it's such luxury, you know, coming from like traveling in an SUV. Like I can stand up, I can shower, I have a refrigerator, I have a toilet, I have a sink with running water. Like it's like absolute luxury, you know, in my camper van. But um, yeah, you could totally do the Airbnb thing. At that point, for me, it would just be, you know, w- do you have to raise your prices? Because now you're spending, you know, a hundred, $150 every night. Um, and that's considered a business expense at that point, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, does that make sense financially for you? So what has changed? I know you've
1: got this tricked out van.
0: Now, mm-hmm.
1: anything else change since year and a half ago? Uh, or
0: so? Since we talked last, I don't know. Was I in the van when we talked last? No. I don't remember. I wasn't? No. Okay. Um, gosh, everything. <laughs> I, I meditate every day. I do yoga every day. Um, you know, I've just honestly found myself so much more um, being on my own, which is really what I wanted after my husband and I separated was just to be by myself and be comfortable with the uncomfortable and really get to know myself. And that's just been such a blessing. Hmm. And it's something that I just think everyone should do, whether you're, you know, in a committed relationship or not, but just to take that time to really discover yourself, you know, so that's just been a big part of a big part of my my life and it sounds a little bit cliche to be like I do yoga and I do meditation and I'm sending love to everybody (laughs) you know but it's just um, journaling and tracking my menstrual cycle and starting therapy and just all of these things that are just like so filling for my soul yeah Mm. Yeah.
1: so having this time uh, where you've got a lot of time that doesn't have structure or have to Yeah. Or money goals and things like that has given you a lot of time to to go inward to do
0: self exploration. You know, it has. It's also an interesting balance though, because you know, having, you know, the studio for nine years in Vegas and just coming from a kind of a hardworking type of background, um, I played sports growing up and I played softball all through college and you know right when i got out of college i was working two jobs and volunteering somewhere and you know building up my resume and all of that so it's like coming from that type of mindset it's a very like how productive can i be type of mindset right mm-hmm. and it's just been an interesting balance trying to step back and go okay that's that's good to grow your business that's good to make money that's good to have a to-do list and do all these things but it's also I need to make sure that I'm not basing my self-worth or my um, just how I'm feeling in general on productivity
1: Mm. you know
0: so it's a it's a pretty big balance for me like because I work so hard during the three months that I do work so my photography road trip is September October November and I cram in well I should cram in I i fit in like a year's worth of work you know I'm doing 50 portrait sessions which I know doesn't sound like a lot to some people I was shooting 250 sessions you know Mm -hmm. when I was at my studio Um, but you know within that 50 portrait sessions I'm grossing 120,000 dollars in three months you know and I know there's other photographers out there who are making half a million dollars and million dollar studios and all of that but for me like my goal is just to have enough money to Um, fund my retirement account, Mm -hmm. obviously put money aside for my income tax and have my entire salary set aside for the next year. So right now I don't have to work again. You know, I just have until my road trip in the Mm -hmm. fall, I have my whole salary set aside. And um, yeah, so it's just, um, it's, Anyway, so I do that for the three months. Right. Um, as soon as I'm done, you would think I would just be like, oh, this is so great. I'm going to sleep in. I'm going to read. I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to travel. And I kind of hit this funk every single year where I'm kind of like, well, now what? Mm. You know, it's like awesome. Like everyone's like, oh, you're living the dream. You're just out in the desert and you're traveling and you're hiking. And I'm like, I know, but it's this internal battle of like, okay, well now you're not doing anything. Are you doing enough? Are you being productive? Can you just sleep in today? Did you earn that? Did you, you know, so it's this like mental battle that I, it takes me a couple of weeks to, to adjust to not working Mm. anymore, you know?
1: So i want to unpack some of that because I'm so connecting with what you're saying Mm. uh, in regards to my life and I've always been the hard charger girl and Mm -hmm. busy, busy, you know, making money, growing things, looking at the next possibilities. Also, when I was doing. Also, when I was in the thick of therapy, I discovered how much I based my self-worth on what I did on my accomplishments. Mm -hmm. And also, I just. That was your identity. Yes. You know, my, my dad, um, I got praised for accomplishments and, um, Mm. I didn't really have to earn his love, but our love languages were different. So, um, the things, you know, that work for me are words of affirmation and Mm. not like, Oh, I'm proud of you, but like, uh, I don't know, things that are more personal and individual sure, sure. and, and touch. And for him, it was service and Acts anyway. of service. So, yeah. so yeah. I was the, and I was told early that I scored high on an IQ test when I was seven. And that set me up to think that I had to be the best of everything. And, I did not get straight A's because there are certain categories of education that are not natural for me, like math. And, and they didn't teach it in a way that uh, for me, at least, I don't know if it was true for other girls, but it's kind of a male model. Anyway, am I down too far down a bunny trail? Anyway. So I realized, yes, I get a lot of self-identity from my accomplishments. And at this point in my life, between what I'm doing with coaching, the fact that I have uh, some passive income uh, coming in with with my vacation rental, by the way, if anyone's ever in San Diego and needs a cool vacation rental (laughs) state, I've got the best. I love it. It's so fun. It's above my garage. used to be my studio. Anywho. Oh, cool. And then with COVID, you know, like that that screeching halt of so many of the things that kept me around people kept me entertained um took up time uh, it's uh, like I guess I'm semi-retired um mm-hmm. and it's that am I doing enough am I mm-hmm. like every every day um I'm trying to remember what you said but it's that it, like, I was like, how does she manage to not have like absolute things she has to do every day for nine months? Um, mm. Is this, are you connecting? I, I'm not sure if I'm asking you this. Yeah. The, what yeah. I, what came yeah. up for me, but I find, I find the extra challenge as a do, do, do person. No, not the extra challenge. I find the free time that I could be—big air quotes—doing so much, uh, but I don't feel like doing all the things anymore as intensely. Mm. It's
0: just a challenge. It's
1: that, and I think that
0: I don't know being an but, entrepreneur as well, right? Like right. I feel like being an entrepreneur, we're kind of wired that way to to always think be bigger and always, yeah, always be accomplishing things. Right. So, okay. This made me think of a couple of stories. I want to talk about love languages too, because that's super fascinating. Um, Cause I think people can actually relate it to their business and their clients. Um, but with identity, that's been like an interesting thing for me to reflect on being in van life, because there's such a huge spectrum of people in van life, just like there are people who live in, live in home right so there's people who I know I have friends who you know save 55 to 60 percent of their income and um, work remotely and they're going to retire in their mid-40s and then I know other people who are holding a cardboard sign and begging for gas money so they can like get to the next place so it's like Hmm. this huge spectrum right Mm -hmm. so it's like when I meet people I've been you know having this kind of internal battle of people are like oh well what do you do and I'm like oh I'm a photographer And they're like, oh, well, that's cool. Like, you know, well, awesome that you live van life, you know, starving artist. You don't have to like, you know, (laughs) make much, make much money. You just have to make enough to pay gas. And it's like, I I almost have to resist sometimes wanting to say all the things and be like, I make over six figures and I teach at national photography conventions. And, you know, my average, my average sale is over $2,000. It's like, I want to like throw that. But then I'm also like, oh, is that my ego speaking? Mm -hmm. Is that, you know, that's, that's not who I am. I want these people to um, get to know me for who I am. And that really doesn't matter. This random person that I'm meeting, if they know those things about me, but, you know, sometimes I feel the need to like justify what I'm doing. And I'm, I'm not like a bum living in a van who's homeless. You know what I'm saying? Right. I feel like that's the identity again, right? Right. Where I'm like, let's just like, okay, you can think what you want. And if you ask more questions, I'll answer your questions, but um, let's just, let me just be who I am and have an authentic conversation that doesn't have to be me throwing my accomplishments out there, you know? Yeah. And so
1: there's, there's back to that identity or uh, yeah. Anyway, I, I hear you and I really relate to it. Um, And I'm, I'm like in the opposite position of view and, and I actually do love my life right now, um, where it's a lot quieter. I don't work much in the evenings. Um, Mm -hmm. people listen regularly. They know that I was full-time photography only for 33 years or so. And now I've shifted Mm -hmm. to mostly, uh, being a business coach, um, but instead of being out in the world with adventures, I'm in my house by myself. Now, having cultivated a great relationship with myself, which what I love hearing is that's what you are on an ongoing discovery. Is that a good, Mm -hmm. a good? Sure. uh, Yeah, uh, absolutely. um, And I'm not an introvert, but I'm not a full extrovert either. Sure. Sure. So I'm good company. Um, but yeah it's such a weird shift to not have the pressure pressure pressure
0: yeah that's and a different phase
1: of your life yeah, right now. yeah yeah and accepting it or accepting that because uh, last night I was thinking once this pandemic's fully over what do I picture for myself because I think a lot of the mm. a lot of the Free time that I have uh, has limitations to it because of the pandemic, because of, you know, new variances that show up. So things get more open and they close down more. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to project, you know, let's say two years from now, it's all behind Mm us can go anywhere, hug anybody, have no, no masks Uh, Like, I wouldn't want to live exactly like this for the next 30 or 40 years of my life. But um, anyway, it's just, I have, it's just interesting to think about if I was in your position. um, I think what I might do a little differently that I don't do if I was Mm
0: -hmm.
1: in a comfortable van is I would kind of have my daily job have to do with seeing the beauty of where I am. I don't know. Do you do, do you like, oh, are you like exploring, exploring your areas?
0: What What's yeah. that?
1: What So when you're in your non-work time and yeah. you go somewhere, then on a regular basis, when you're somewhere, are you kind of the, the tourist traveler or, you know? Yeah. More, I
0: mean, uh, I, I, I am in the sense, but nature-based. So I'm not right. someone who, um, yeah I'm not a city person I just don't enjoy that you know even like I'd gone through Yellowstone this last, last summer and I honestly really disliked it and really? I I yeah and I think I would love Yellowstone if I went at a different time of year I just think I need to pick a time when not all the other tourists are there because it felt a little bit like Disneyland ah it was just so many people and families. And then you're surrounded by all these people, but it's almost like a city, like a busy city where you're like you're surrounded by all these people, but you're alone, you know? Right. Um, cause it's just, it's just busy and you're kind of, it's a kind of like the cattle walk,
1: mm-hmm. you know, and
0: all of the popular places. So I think if I go back and visit, um, places like that in the off season, I think I would like it. Um, I do fit in a lot of, um, I don't want to call it sightseeing necessarily, because I don't necessarily hit a lot of touristy spots. But my my thing is hiking, um, hiking and paddleboarding. So if I get my paddleboard out and put it in a river or lake somewhere, or if I go on a hike somewhere, then I considered it that like, I saw that area. Mm-hmm. Um, if I just drive through a place, I'm I'm like, no, I've never been there before, you know, so it's kind of like South Dakota, I went through there this last year and everyone's like ah there's nothing in South Dakota and I was like all right challenge accepted you know so <laughs> um, I actually went out there and um, visited and did some portraits for Erica Lane Harvey and she had just opened her new studio out there but I was like where's a good place to paddleboard and I found one, one of the most beautiful places in the country that I've ever paddle boarded um, in South Dakota mm. <laughs> you know uh, and when I was up in um, the East Coast on my road trip you know so it's not just work work, work, work. You know, I um, went to Maine, even though I didn't have any portrait sessions. in Maine. I had portrait sessions all through, you know, New Jersey, New York, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Connecticut, all of that. Um, But I didn't have anything in Maine, but I was like, I'm all the way up here. I have to see, you know, I have to go to Acadia National Park and see some of these different places. So that was actually a really beautiful place to be that area because it was after the summer crowd, Mm -hmm. but it was before it got too cold. Mm-hmm. Um, but the leaves were changing. So I was like, this mm. is like the perfect time to visit this area. Cause it's yes. not crazy busy dogs are allowed on the trails at Acadia national park. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not allowed at a lot of trails um, at national parks around the country.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I found Maine. I was there for a workshop and then took um, a week to stay right on the water in a little you know, little town to get $5 lobsters. <laughs> mm-hmm. and I just kept going. It looks so Maine here in Maine. It's, yes. it's yes. Like different. And the way
0: people dress and the whole thing, it's just yeah. a
1: totally different. Yeah. Beautiful.
0: Yeah. How many yeah. lobsters do you think I ate in two weeks in Maine? Oh, that's funny. I can't even imagine. <laughs> I went, a friend came with me and she, I don't eat lobster, but she, she had to do the lobster roll thing. And I yeah. was like, how much did you pay for that? come again yeah (laughs) so So yeah
1: i ended up eating
0: 22. oh wow
1: and the the last one i could have done without but it's just every time i went to eat yeah you could order a burger or lobster you can order this or lobster and it is my
0: favorite food so you're in Maine I get it yeah okay I do can I go back to one thing yes you said though just really quick, I do want to go back to the love languages. Yes. Because I think that's kind of fascinating um, because I I think it's an awesome way, whether it's with a parent, like what you did um, or with a partner or with our clients, I think it's really just fascinating to understand how other people's brains work. And it kind of just, you know, puts us in their shoes and go, well, how do they see the world, you know? Mm -hmm. And for our clients, I feel like it's actually something that can apply to them like let's say there's someone who um quality time is one of their love languages right so if we have a client who we let's say invite to have coffee with us like that person is like absolutely that'd be great i love that but let's say there's someone who like quality time is way low on their list but they're um like receiving gifts might be like one of their things that person could be super stressed if you invite them to coffee but they'd be like oh I don't want to go but I don't want to say no and it just puts them in this weird position where if like you were to like send that person like a gift basket or a bottle of wine they would be thrilled mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying so I feel like that's kind of where knowing um our clients and just knowing people in our lives and getting to know people and how they see the world is just such a valuable thing you mm-hmm. know because not everyone sees the world the way that we do yeah
1: so so I was with um Oh, gosh, I can't remember her name. I was at a conference that was uh, for coaches and another photographer I'd never met before. And I keep trying to get her on my show. And when I do, then you guys will all know her name. Anyway, (laughs) we ended up uh, hanging out together a lot at this conference once she realized I was a photographer as well. And she teaches about the love languages for photographers.
0: Oh, that's and, fascinating. I've never heard about that. Yeah,
1: and yeah. It, it's it's going to, her name's going to pop up in my head. I'm trying to download it right now. Yeah. Um, anyway, she, as we would talk, sometimes she'd say words of affirmation under her breath. And finally, I was like, why have you said that a couple of times? And she said, oh, I'm listening to you. And you say a lot of positive things. You've complimented me. Language. You've said yeah. appreciative things. So I'm filing away that that's, that's one of your main love languages. Mm. And um, And I think she figured out from our conversation that touch is also big. So the mm-hmm. next morning, she came in. I was sitting on the aisle and she touched me on the shoulder, said hi. And she said, you look so pretty today. And mm. then as I sat there after, I was like, oh, you know, and I felt so good,
0: you yeah. know, just
1: so warm and like your
0: language, I really
1: yeah. like her. And I was like, oh, she filed it away yesterday. And then yeah. she just used words of affirmation. And I, at lunchtime, I was like, did you do that intentionally? And she said, yes, because I noticed that's what makes you feel good. And so oh, one of the keys yeah. that I learned from that is the way we can figure out, and maybe you can feel this more, but how you can tell is by what they do. Totally.
0: Okay. So,
1: you know, if I were to think yeah. about my dad, uh, I'm sure I could figure out what his love language
0: was right well it could be the typical male thing too right like I work hard I provide for this family like acts of service that's right yes yeah yeah um that's fascinating I love that because I I think it takes such a um oh it just takes a special person to be able to step back and because so many people are thinking about what they're going to say next they're not actually actually listening all the time. when People are talking, they're just thinking, well, what do I want to say next? When, when, when am I going to have my chance to get my words in, you know, as opposed to really listening to what that person is saying. So I think that's a really cool Mm -hmm. exercise to practice. Yeah. I probably
1: also really like quality time because uh, I always look forward to these podcasts and getting to have real conversations with people that I would love to go have coffee with if we were in the same place. So, for sure. Yeah, what are what are your love languages?
0: Quality time is number 1. Yeah. That's on the top of my list and gift giving is on the very bottom. Yeah. <laughs> um, re- not gift giving but receiving gifts. Yeah, I'm yeah. just not a big um material things just don't don't do it for me. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, so I had some other. Thank you for sharing yours. That's awesome. I I love how this
1: is taken to, you know, the topic of being a human being rather than a human doing, and the the discomfort of that for some of us who uh, have gotten, either because we get a feeling of self worth, or it's also fun, isn't it, to be accomplishing, doing, creating? You know, it's not just about proving that we're worth sucking air, right? Yeah. Like it's fun (laughs) to be, (laughs) you could probably work even less if you wanted and live on less if you wanted, but I'm guessing you enjoy the process of finding clients, having the sessions, doing the sales, making new friends, having quality time. It's the connection with people. people. It is. Yeah. yeah. And,
0: that, and that is why I have no interest in landscape photography um, oh. and things like that. I just, I, I don't carry a camera with me. I, my camera goes away after my road trip. Interesting. Um, it goes away. The batteries probably all die um, because I don't do anything except pictures on my cell phone for the nine months. Mm. And um, I, I'm just not a, a, photography isn't a hobby of mine so right. um yeah so that's just a that's an, I, I forgot what you were saying just now though I had a oh, point about that
1: about that being busy and an accomplisher isn't oh, just sorry. about the feeling yes. of self-worth nope
0: so the quality about time the f- fun yes yeah 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 so for me it's like the photography is a tool for me mm-hmm. to connect with people to have those like authentic connections and yeah. So it's not so much about the photography itself that I love. It's about the connections with the pet owners and that I'm right. creating this thing for them that they just absolutely love. And I wouldn't do photography for myself if there wasn't an audience to enjoy right. it. Right. Like, uh, you know, uh, there's an audience for landscape photography. I don't mean that, but it's just, mm-hmm. I don't enjoy going out and doing landscape photography. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm doing it. I have a camera in hand because someone's hiring me and It's their pet and they're going to cry and they're going to love it. (laughs) Yeah. You know,
1: and then you also, you also teach and support others and give uh, workshops and such. And so I'm guessing that again, being with people around people is, is why you would like that as well. Am I on track?
0: Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. I I enjoy, I probably enjoy the teaching part of it more than I do the shooting
1: interesting interesting yeah Mm -hmm. so if if i waved a magic wand Mm -hmm. would you rather travel and teach three months a year and do very little photography if Mm -hmm. all other things being equal that was a bad sentence all things being equal (laughs) would you Mm -hmm. would you prefer traveling and teaching and doing very little photography at this mm. point in your career.
0: Oh, that's interesting. And the kicker is the, at this point in your career, if you were to ask me that six, seven years ago, I would have been like a hundred percent. I have no interest in shooting whatsoever. When mm. I had my studio, um, I just got burned out and I, was, I did not want to shoot anymore. Um, and I was super still loving teaching. Um, now hmm, that's an interesting question to ponder now, because I don't love the shooting. I'm not like, yes, I get to photograph these three dogs today. I don't feel like that necessarily about it. Um, but people are just so like genuinely happy to see me like when (laughs) I show up and I drive across the country and they're just like thank you so much for coming and even people who've never met me you know my friend Nancy was telling me about you and I'm just so honored that you stopped in Chicago to do our portraits like this is amazing and um yeah so it's just that that part of um yeah that I'm not sure if I I love it. It's just different. And not that people weren't that way when I was in a studio, but it it was different. It was a little bit of a different, um, I was, sometimes I was treated like a servant, not always, um, but you're doing 250 sessions a year. So you're just going to get a little bit of everything Right. where like now the clients that I work with, um, and a lot of them are people from my studio, you know, from before, but now people are like, Every single person is someone I want to go to lunch with and hang out with. Mm-hmm. Where in my studio, like people are just like, they don't even know who you are when they show up to do a session. They just called because uh. you're a business and they called the front desk and talked to your receptionist and booked a session. They showed up and you're introducing yourself for the first time when you're doing their portraits. And now it's like, not like that at all. It's like, I'm friends with everyone on Facebook and they mm-hmm. all know exactly who I am. And they're so happy for me to be there, you know? So it's just a little bit different of an experience. Right. Um, so yeah, you, you said,
1: cause my portrait business, um, I've always made good friends like that. We know each other so well before the session, because it's a lower mm-hmm. volume, like 50 sessions a year, I yep. can make a right. really great living Um, because I'm all about, you know, the selling three to seven wall portraits and that high-touch experience. Experience, for sure. But back to my original question, because I heard you say, well, I love the teaching more than the photography. So if you were to to, uh, set it up, like, would you visualize that if you were doing your traveling and living the life you're living but Mm -hmm. doing very few sessions and a lot more teaching
0: Mm -hmm.
1: would that would Um, that
0: be what you want so the first thing that comes to mind with that yeah the first thing that comes to mind and um, this is just purely how i for myself. Cause I know that you're doing more teaching now than you are shooting. So this isn't a judgment on anybody else, oh, no. but my, yeah. yeah, my first thing, my thought with that is I learn so much every single road trip. And mm-hmm. I feel like it's like, you know, when I put a workshop on, like I did a three hour workshop yesterday, webinar with PPA, and I got to throw so many new things in there mm. from this last road trip that I didn't teach the last time I taught a workshop. Yeah. And um, because I just feel like I'm I'm learning so much as I'm doing. Right. So my only my only fear would be if I'm not traveling and I'm not shooting and I'm not coming across these different obstacles or situations or whatever. And am I going to be current and relevant um, in my teachings Mm -hmm. if I'm not doing it myself right right and I feel like it's different for you because you have so many years you have three decades behind you of experience right right. um well I just don't know if I would be sorry to interrupt you but the similar thing
1: is the podcasts like sometimes I think well this podcast is a labor of love and I know Mm -hmm. people are out there listening and It's so exciting. I have somebody now listening that I know is in Russia and 81 other countries, you know, that makes me happy. Mm, But like, like, why, why, why nobody's paying me? I suppose there's a way, you know, I could set up a donation thing on my website, but Mm -hmm. having conversations with people like you, first of all, fills my love cup (laughs) because I Mm -hmm. love a great conversation. Like this is a conversation you and I'd be having over coffee, whether I was recording it or not. Right.
0: Totally. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. But at the same time, it helps me be a better coach. So it's really similar to what you're talking about. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah. Like I had a client ask me, what was it? Um, how to get referrals. And mm. I was never a master at that, but I just, had a great interview with um I think it was the Colby Macklemore interview that's going to be out shortly and so I was able to send her my notes from the interview and discuss it deeper with her because I just got I love that a private master class (laughs) right (laughs) so I think it's that same that same thing oh I love that yeah that's no that totally makes sense yeah yeah So on my original questions, I wanted to find out more about what sales with pet expressions or how you're doing, you know, I think that would be helpful since you are the queen or you're, you're in the queendom of fabulous pet photographers, king and queendom. So I think some people would love to know some practical tips uh, sure. About well, act, your actual specialty. So, is there anything else before we s- segue over to that? No, let's talk about pet photography. That's okay. over here. What <laughs> <Yeah>. else?
0: What <laughs> Um Okay, so one of the things that I ask people in my pre-session questionnaire, which for other people this could be a consultation or a planning session, um, is, do you have a preference on your pets? Um, dogs specifically, and your dog's mouth being open or closed. And I say that because you don't photograph horses with their mouth open or cats, if their mouths are open for cats, they're very stressed out. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, that's a dog specific question. But do you have a preference on their mouth being open or closed? And as dog owners, we call that smiling, right? Serious or smiling if their tongue mm-hmm. is out? Okay. Um, and some people don't um, have a preference. Some people do. It's something to keep in mind when, um, I'm um, calling for sure,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: um, and it's also just knowing a pet's personality. Like I spend enough time with pets, you know, they're not like it's not like a a mini session in a studio where they show up and in two minutes we're doing their portraits, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's like we're meeting a lot of times at a trailhead or you know a park or their property or whatever it is. And it's usually like a good 20 minutes, half hour before I actually start shooting. And a lot of that is just observing the pet and kind of what's their true personality. Cause if they're running around and they're smiling and they're making all these expressions, and then I start photographing them and making noises to get their attention. And they're just super, super serious. That's not capturing their personality, Ah, you know? So um, most of the pets I photograph, um, and most of my clients want mouth open as far as like their tongue out and not like a huge, like panting, they're exhausted. Um, but just like a little bit of their tongue showing, um, okay. that sells a lot better for me in the studio. That was fine, but I did a lot more mouth closed, really focused on the camera, ears perked, head tilted type, um, type look in the studio. Um, but just that mouth open and smiling just is kind of matches the energy of being outdoors, you know? So in the studio, Um, because it's a quieter environment
1: and it's more about the animal or the baby, the fur baby mm -hmm, themselves, mm -hmm. then what I hear is a little more serious mouth closed. Most of the time. I would call it
0: more of a regal elegant type of look.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Yep. And then outdoors, because it's active and it's firement, the owners want to
0: see that they're having a good time. Yeah. Have their tail up and yeah, they're smiling, you know, they're making different expressions. Okay. Um, yeah. So it's, it's a very different style. My work looks very different now mm. than it did when I had my studio. Cause before, you know, my studio was very, um, paws crossed, ears perked, um, pets aren't even even standing. I don't photograph pets standing in my studio because I like having them on furniture in the studio. So they're either laying or sitting. And when I'm outdoors, the majority of the time they're standing.
1: Okay. So, yeah. So in terms of the, like, what sells, like, close-up, medium, lots of beautiful scenery. Is there, you know, looking at the camera? Not looking at the camera, as there,
0: you know, what is like Yeah, most, so for me, most important? yeah, good question. For me, um, looking at the camera sells better um, okay. because people have such a hard time to get their pets to look at the camera with their ears perked, with the right expression. Like that's right. like super hard for people to do on their own. Um, people can take a great portrait, you know, of their pet when they're focused on a bird and looking off somewhere. So it's not that I don't shoot that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, for me, it's nailing the expression with them looking dead onto the camera where the client is like, "Man, you captured their soul in that portrait. You mm-hmm. know um, I don't like owners standing behind me because I think that it's distracting for the pet and they don't know where to look. So sometimes they're looking just off to the right because they're looking at the owner and not dead on at the camera, and I think you lose that connection when that happens, um, but it has been really fun as a mobile photographer now, because when I was shooting in my studio, um, 99% of my sessions were in the studio and I did like a very small amount of sessions outdoors. So it's been really neat now as a mobile photographer, everything is outdoors, unless I'm at the client's home, you know, in that case, I re- rearranged their furniture, um, to get the best lighting. If I can shoot at natural light and if not, I'll throw some strobes in there and, um, you know, or if they have cats, a lot of times we just go to craft the cats, you know, in their homes, mm-hmm. um, but it's been so fun just traveling the country. And, you know, before it was just like, oh, are we going to do a brown background or right. a blue background or a gray background? <laughs> you know, I'm kind of right. couch. Are we going to do? And now it's like, oh man, look at like, if I can get that mountain with like that tree and the light coming through it. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just like, it's a little bit more of a storytelling style. Now, right. Yeah. You know, so than it was before. You
1: and I have so much in common, except I do kids. Kids are my, you know, my love and and babies. I was doing babies before and newborns before it was thing. And I did a lot of studio when I did a lot of babies. Um, And there's that, the nice thing with babies is then you can control the lighting and the environment and certain chairs and things. Because, you know, a newborn outdoors, uh,
0: oh, sure. they have Just to be in someone's arms
1: mountains. pretty much. But mm-hmm. indoors, but as as I matured, my client base seemed to also be maturing, and as I got more and more into that environmental, that you're talking about the the thrill, and I really love photographing at people's homes if they've got the right, you know, a little a little one bedroom apartment up in a high rise, not ideal, <laughs> but sure. people that have nice homes and yards and, and pretty interiors, you know, I love having like a brand new studio, which is basically what you have as you're traveling is lots of new environments. So I enjoy that a lot. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And then, yeah.
1: And for me, it's go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, and then the other thing about looking at the camera, um, I found, and I actually found this a lot photographing weddings. A lot of people will say, I don't like posed. I want a lot of candids. And so mm-hmm. I would do all the posed things at weddings because I did not want anybody to say, you did not get a picture of me with so-and-so that I knew was key. Mm-hmm. And I do a lot of candids and mm-hmm. um, I don't even now, if I do a wedding, they don't get all the zillion digitals. They get a limited number that goes with a package. Mm-hmm. And I find that the ones that people are willing to buy are more looking at the camera, more Isn't that funny, um, yeah. because we love our faces. We love seeing, you know, our humanity. That if if we can capture a certain expression where you can see into somebody's soul or see into a dog or a cat's essence that makes them Mm -hmm. them um you know that sells and I always encourage people who are doing lifestyle photography to be sure that they also do some things um you know yes it's great to have I don't know holding the baby and everybody looking down or you know, all the fun things that you can do when you're following a family around and doing the lifestyle. Mm -hmm. But, but people, if, if, um, if they're having to buy things individually, rather than getting everything, I'm willing to bet almost every time the best sellers are going to be the ones where at least you can see the faces. And for the most part, most people looking at the camera or where you can see both eyes and both mm. cheeks and so forth. So interesting that it is well, also true with pets.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think it's interesting because so many clients, it's funny when you say that, like people say they want Candid, but the they end up buying the more, you know, posed. And I'm like, that, that's been my life for the last 16 years as a photographer. Right. Like people saying like, I really kind of just want more Candid. Like, what does that mean to you? <laughs> you yeah. know, because when it comes down to it, like, you know, you can't, especially in a studio outdoors, you can be a little bit more flexible, but in a studio, I tell people we can do candid, but I have to pose you first. I can't just throw you out there and go be candid because especially yeah. in a studio with your lights set up, right? Like in a certain, mm-hmm. like if you move six inches this way or that way, like it's, the exposure is different, right. you know? So I right. was like, I have to pose you first and then we can turn that into a candid portrait. Right, like oh, let's look at each other. Blow on your dog's ear to get them to lick you, or whatever. We can do that, but I can't just throw you out there and go be candid because it's not going to look good. You're not going to like it, right? You know. So we can do a little bit more candid outdoors when I'm just shooting natural lighting, and, right? So you know, it doesn't matter if they move two feet this way or that way, but right. you still have to pose people,
1: right? Yeah. Oh, two thoughts on mm-hmm. that. So, um, do you know Roberto Valenzuela? I've heard the name. Uh, he's so funny. He um he he's a wonderful teacher, and says, is he a
0: West Coast school guy? Um, uh, he's spoken
1: okay. everywhere. Anyway, I don't
0: know it, a lot of photographers, honestly. It, well, I'm like out of the
1: loop a little bit. Con, yeah. He's been at conventions a lot and different things, and he talks about this, <laughs> and he he's got this great accent and this great sense of humor that like takes you by surprise so he can get away with this. Mm-hmm. And what he'll say is, you're gonna look fat <laughs> when someone's like, oh. I just want candidates. I don't right. want it's clothes. true. And he's like, you're gonna look fat. Um, that's totally true. Get the arms and the the chins and the and all of that. So anyway, I just when you said that I just heard his his voice saying that. And then that other yeah. So my theory, Arika, about when people say, I don't want posed, what they're really saying is, I don't want to look stiff. I don't want to have a fake smile. Mm -hmm. So much of what is the accessible portrait photography, especially if it's like, I don't know if there's still studios in the mall. Uh, That kind of took the world by storm, 20-some Years ago, um, mm-hmm. but they want their expressions to look authentic. That's that's what yes, I okay. people really yes, you're right
0: mean when they say that. Yeah. And so, yeah, I will share with they don't people, want to be like I kicked my foot out six inches this way and put my hand in my pocket and put my hand on my hip and, and I lean forward then, a little like and then yeah. you just say smile because I might
1: have people do all of what you just said, yeah. But I work with a tripod and once I rough out their posing, then yeah. I, you know, we talk, I have expressions. I do whatever it takes to get, cause a, a real expression is in the eyes and not, mm-hmm. and not the mouth. So, um, you know, one that's one of my superpowers really is the expressions feel like, um, authentic and i i was watching um pbs had a series on master artists and both the the sculptor i think it was bernini and then the painter david both said that a great portrait or a great uh, bust of a person that's like a 3d sculpture Mm -hmm. um a successful one makes you think either someone is just about to say something or they just mm. did. And I was like, mm. that's it. It's that moment, that anticipatory mm. where there's something going on in their minds. Um, that makes
0: me think of so many things. Like that makes me think of I'm a pretty fast shooter. Um, and I don't overly pose people. I mean, like we're talking about, yes, we have to pose people and tell them where to be, but I'm not overly them. them. some people are like, are my hands okay? Am I doing anything? And, you know, I don't really tell them this, but to me, I'm like, if you're not doing something that I like, then I'm going to, I'm going to correct it or kind of repose it or like, Hey, just throw your arm over here or do whatever. Uh-huh. Um, but it's because I don't, yeah, I I, I don't, I just don't want to overpose people because I want them to look natural. And I think pets help a lot with that because it gives people a place to put their hands right and when people when pets aren't in the portraits and it's just people they're like what do I do with my hands you know <laughs> and sometimes I laugh when they don't have pets I'm like I don't know grab a dog like yeah. <laughs> because I don't know what to do with your hands you know but it's yeah. like when they have a dog they just put the hand on the back or put the hand on their chest or whatever right. they're doing to connect themselves to their dogs and I'm like perfect that's where your hands go you know so yes. I kind of laugh sometimes if if I do shots without the pets in it or just the people like i find myself too going like i don't know what to do with your hands it it (laughs)
1: is as a
0: people uh primarily people
1: only portrait photographer it is the skill that continually i have to be watching and thinking and Mm -hmm. posing and so forth um but there's something that you just said oh i always would um appreciate a wedding bouquet because Mm -hmm. If if they hadn't been invented, I would have invented them so that the bride had something to do with her hands.
0: <laughs> there you go, totally hold the
1: bouquet yes. with your hand prettily on top of the flowers. You know yes. it is handy with with kids. I keep um, I keep some little just white and beige little teddy bears and bunny rabbits in my toy bag, so that when the kids that you can't control like you can't tell a two-year-old most two-year-olds what to do with their hands mm-hmm. so if they're just kind of flailing all over then I grab a teddy and have them hold that until they throw mm-hmm. it and then,
0: and then we get it back and yeah. do it again so yeah yeah, yeah. yeah no, I okay. love that and for, so for me too when I'm photographing people um because I've had a lot of um wives say you know about their spouses they're just like I don't want him to have this stiff fake smile and whatever and sometimes it can be hard for like men who just don't want to be photographed they don't want to be there right they don't want to smile and it's like and you're talking to them ahead of time and they have this great smile And they get behind the camera and you're like what is that yeah (laughs) it's like I can't show that to your wife you know Mm -hmm. so that's what I love about the pet photography part of it is I feel like it just loosens people up so much where I can make comments about like you know squeaking a toy or shaking a treat jar and be like you know David this is for you like I'm not doing this for your right. dog I'm doing this to get you to laugh and they laugh and you're just like that moment of just like cool that's all I needed just that yeah. one split second of your genuine smile you know yes.
1: yeah. So, I to,
0: yeah
1: I used to be like okay David since we're talking mm-hmm. about um am I going to need to show you my legs um oh wait <laughs> I'm too old for you now so never mind you know that yeah you know, there, there's little tricks I have for kids favorite, too yeah oh yeah I have favorite mm. words that get get people feeling a smile because mm. um, the the muscles there's 50 muscles in the face I don't know if you might know this and the two that are involuntary are the ones around our eyes and that pull up the corner from the corners of our mouth up to our eyes okay. and we can't control that just like, like you can, I don't know, flex, uh, you wink, know, do, or, do okay. a curl or something okay, or okay. even show your teeth and that those two muscles are what we as human beings are keenly dialed into to recognize feelings.
0: I've never heard that before. Yeah. So
1: so an expression comes from an emotion. So my job as a portrait photographer is to have them feel something. I never say smile because a smile is something like I am not good. I hate when people count one, two, three, because I can find a feeling and give you a nice smile immediately, you know, Mm -hmm. practice a lot. But by the time the number three comes around, I it's gone. You're in your head (laughs) and you're my cheeks are twitching. My, yeah, you know, I'm not feeling anything anymore. So, yeah, yeah, when I saw that special, it's like that explains it. So Mm. the word I have people say a lot is the word. Yes, because you can feel something when you say that. Yes, it pulls up the face, you know, who who she, I mean, I do like cheese, but that doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't make my eyes react, but the word yeah. yes, or then monkey, because it's a funny word. Yeah. And, it, and it, and, you know, the mouth moves up in a sort of a smile and then I can easily go ooh, ooh ee, ee, uh, uh, after monkey. So that then I get that, <laughs> you know, then I get those two muscles, two yeah. sets of muscles to move in one way or the other so just a little tip um so before we before we run out of time or if somebody's listening in their car before you get to your destination <laughs> if you've had a, a long drive um I
0: know we had talked about how if you were in van life this would be a short drive but yes <laughs> if you're in the city it's a long drive go ahead yes <laughs> um how
1: Are you making more better sales remotely than I think we talked before, whenever it was a year plus ago about how you were doing your sales? So how, how is that working for you?
0: It's brilliant. I love it Um, because it's remote because people are at home. The magic is that they're at home because you know how it gets like people are just busy um people mean to send you wall portraits they mean to put the piece of paper up and take a picture of their wall and text it to you and they just don't you know well what Um, were you doing before um in-person sales in a theater room dedicated with a 104 inch projection screen
1: okay Uh, um i was on okay let me back up yeah with your traveling yeah Have you always done remote sales or did you do sales right there in their house?
0: No, I always do. I've always done remote sales. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was just the only time I was doing in-person sales is when I had the studio storefront. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So I'm asking people, you know, to send me pictures of their walls and a lot of people do, and it's great because then I can do mock-ups with their actual walls and not generic rooms. Okay. Um, But yeah, I mean, you and I, last time we talked, you were suggesting, well, what if you stayed in town a day longer and you did, you know, but I'm just like, people are happy and I'm happy and they're not stressed out. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm good, you know? So um, you. yeah. So they, the, the nice thing is that when people are doing the ordering session with you, that is their time that they are focused and they are like, cool. I, I am yours for an hour, you know, mm-hmm. let's go over the images and figure out what I'm getting and all of that. Um, prior to that, they're just busy and it's hard to get in touch with them. And like I said, they're not sending you these wall photos. So in that hour, when we're doing that remote ordering session, they're at home. So they're walking around. I say, grab a piece of paper, piece of tape, walk around, put it in the different areas. They're texting it to me while we're talking. I'm air dropping it to my computer. And then I'm uploading it into ProSelect. is how I do my sales Mm -hmm. and I'm uploading it into the rooms and showing them actual sizes right there. So they don't have to measure. Um, And sometimes like, they'll be like, oh, there's this other spot. And oh, there's this other spot, you know? So they'll kind of just walk around and do all the things. Cause if they weren't at home and they were bringing pictures to my studio, you know, of their walls, or they were texting it to me ahead of time, um, a lot of people just do like the one spot. Um, but when they're at home, they're just like, oh, well, there's this spot and there's this spot. And then sometimes they end up getting portraits in multiple places. You right. know, they'll do a canvas in one place and then a collection in another place. Yes. You know, and um, like, well, on the mantle, we could also do like some acrylic blocks mm-hmm. and some image cubes. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, yeah, so it's it's just it's working so well for me just doing yes. those. Yeah. Remote sales like that. And if there's any other decision makers then they're usually home. They can just get confirmation from them. Does this work? Yep, that's good. Cool, I'm charging your card. Good. You know?
1: So yeah. Erica, my workaround and how I co- coach people is that we do a lot of prep and seed planting before we even have the photography. So yeah. at the first phone call, we're talking about wall art and locations. Before yeah. the consultation, I asked them to look around their home and and think about any places, always plural places that might be beautiful yeah. for photographic art. Take a picture, measure those wall spaces. Then, uh, at the when I call to uh, remind them of the time that they're coming over, I say, you know, remember to because about half the time they don't do that. But I'm planting those seeds sure. so that when we get in the sales room in person then i've got that same information and we're mapping things out um my system um i don't need to do the the room view to sell my three to eight wall portraits per client because i focus on them seeing them actual size um both you know and it's not a one or the other it's kind of where. uh what is it? It's like Nikon versus Canon. They're mm-hmm. both doing the same basic function, which mm-hmm. is helping people uh, understand and fall in love with the idea of beautiful art of someone that they love or people that they love.
0: Sure. Mm-hmm. So it's a question for you though. Cause like I've, like I said, I've done both with the in-person sales for nine years and then now, you know, five years doing the remote is, you know, if you're showing people actual size, um don't they still sometimes have the hesitation or the you know okay that's great yes 30 inches good but let me go home and measure because they've already measured we've, and... we've already talked about it so has ever does everyone bring you images and send you images because that's something that I talk about to everybody and when I had my studio I'd talk about it to everyone it's part of the consultation it's part of the reminder email and people just didn't do it yeah you know Um, Almost all of them do. And especially now with,
1: with iPads where everybody's got a phone or an iPad Mm -hmm. um, and it's easier. Um, But I'm just, so in general, um, if they tell me about a space um, every now and then somebody will say, well, you know, there's this spot in the family room over to the right of the fireplace. I don't know how big that is. And we'll kind of figure out potential. And I will always say, well, how about, you know, if there's a, I don't know if this size or this size works. I'll be like, why don't we plan it for the smaller one?
0: Yeah. And you can go ahead and complete
1: the order, then go home and call me and let me know. And sure. uh, my little how I close that sale is, and you have to have your prices appropriate for this to work, but I say, I'll just charge you for the, the 24 inch. And if a 30 is better, um, that's fine. We'll, we'll just do oh, it.
0: Yeah. There you
1: go. So, you know, it's all yeah. in that closing a sale, you know, the art for sure, for of, sure. of the, um, of all of that, but they're, they're seeing it. The beauty in person yep. is when they think, well, you know, there's that 30 inch, let's say they've determined either one's good that I can show them what a 30 inch actually looks like and what they feel. I, when I say that I, am I'm putting my hands, I'm swirling yep. my hands around my heart, what yep. they feel when they see it that size. And then when I show it the next size down, how that feeling is not as strong, sure. And I don't know if in a room view you get the same like actual emotional connection with how you're going to feel yeah. every single day when your eye falls on that. So I think that is the power of
0: of the in person. Um, and I see both sides. Yeah. I because but it's because I'm doing the remote that I like love that so much. Yeah, but you know, I, I just, people are so grateful when we're doing the remote ordering mm-hmm. session that they're like, I just sent you this, you know, image two minutes ago. And now you're showing me different sizes. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Whatever you just did right there. That's great. Thank you so much. I don't need to make decisions. Perfect. You know, it's like, I'll put a wall collection together for them just on the fly right in front of them. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for helping me with this. Yep. Whatever that size is, that's what I want. Right. You know, so, so the, so the point is,
1: I think, or the the moral of the story is, have a plan, have a system, work yeah. the system, yeah. be the. Uh, I always um, promote people positioning themselves as the trusted advisor. Okay. So by the yeah. time, yeah, by the time you're. Making that suggestion, they already trust your expertise.
0: Absolutely. And that yeah. you
1: have their best interests in mind. You're not just trying to make money. Right. They like you, they trust you. So either one um is awesome. And not leaving it to chance where you post a gallery, what I call <laughs> posting. Right. But Put it I've on tra- me. so I've trademarked this post and pray.
0: <laughs> oh funny. I love it. Posted with an ordering thing. People need yeah. help.
1: People help. Yeah.
0: Oh. For um, sure. And I do online galleries, but I disable the cart because it's just for them to view the images and they can't order. They have to do the ordering session with
1: them. okay. I'm gonna pretend I didn't hear that because people can still steal if there's not a cart, but
0: um <laughs> so no I get that but I also think that depends what kind of clientele you're working with and I think if you have a minimum I think that you're weeding out those people who want to steal images or care about screenshots that's
1: a good point you know
0: it's like I I wouldn't do an online gallery if I was charging someone you know one or two hundred dollars for a session fee and then just putting their images online what is your minimum uh to it's not high it's only seven hundred dollars But for me, that's kind of been this sweet spot of weeding out people who might want to do screenshots, um, weeding out people who just want a couple eight by tens. Right. Um, but it's not a scary number for the people who end up spending, you know, two, three, four, five, six thousand $6,000. You know, they're not scared off by a possible like $2,000 minimum or something.
1: Right. You know, I so, found that same. Um, so how I present pricing is there's a session fee. And a minimum purchase, and mm-hmm. I say it separately. That's
0: what I have. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. I have a creation right. fee and a minimum print purchase. Yeah. Right.
1: And I don't just lump it together and say like in, in your case it's seven hundred dollars and you have five hundred to spend. I I would say this. no, same. no, no.
0: Mine is separate too. I'm just yeah. I'm adding it, but it is. It's a two fifty session fee and a four fifty minimum.
1: Right. So yeah. for the listeners, um, just to know, like I've tested either saying it's 700 and you get this much to spend or mm. session is this much minimum yeah. is this much so you pay the 700 up front and remember mm. you have 450 to spend yeah people book me more when i break it down that way
0: mm. because
1: they're not just hearing it's a $700 session fee it's yeah. a it's psychology yeah um, and i've had that same experience where if they're if they're comfortable prepaying five to seven hundred, then a two, three, four, five, ten thousand dollars sale is not that difficult. It, that's yeah, that's so kind th- of sweet. So spot. Do you
0: collect that whole seven hundred up front, or do you collect just the session fee up front?
1: No minimum up front. Absolutely, hundred okay.
0: percent. And I don't. Let me tell you reasons why. Are you ready? I would love to hear. I just don't have a problem with it. That's the only thing. My like people are okay. spending. Two, right, three, four, five, six thousand
1: right. um, okay. dollars. But go
0: ahead. So,
1: when I started collecting,
0: mm-hmm. yeah,
1: at the time, and this goes back, you know, when dinosaurs roamed the earth, uh, when I was doing baby photography, mm-hmm.
0: <laughs>
1: my average sale at that time was a thousand dollars. I added a three hundred dollar minimum. Guess what my average sale was? 1300.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, the money spent is money forgotten. Yeah, number two, it relieves. Some pressure. So if I say, "Oh, well, your total is 3,000," and they kind of go, "Oh." And then mm-hmm. if I say, like in your case, it's 450, right? is your minimum purchase?"
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And I say, "Well, remember, you've already paid 450, they go, "Oh." And they're more apt to close a sale more easily because some of that has already been paid and a sale at a higher amount. Sure. And it does totally weed out for people that are local. It totally weeds out the people that are going to be a pain and be like, well, what about, you know, I don't really want to buy that much. I just want one eight by ten. It weeds that right, out. Right. But it also and it also really delineates that that 250 does not include anything and that you're going to be Mm -hmm. buying prints. Mm -hmm. So any risk of those uncomfortable uh, moments where somebody thought that they got everything for that amount, because there are a lot of people where you can get 300 Mm -hmm. files for $250, it it just clears that up. So I'm willing to bet if you try this for, you know, like the first month of your Mm -hmm. next road trip, And you look at your sales averages, they're going to be $450 higher.
0: Mm, Yeah.
1: Like I had a lot of practice in that. And my coaching clients are experiencing that as well. So, yeah. That's um, awesome. Yeah. And I also, so cautioning on the other side is for me, I find if it's over Mm $1,000 in advance, it can scare away wonderful clients that are just not quite ready to make that kind of a commitment it depends on your location I have a client in Ocean in Orange County in San Diego and like that's pocket change for most of the people not everybody but for her clients in that area it's Mm -hmm. not a problem but um, in San Diego my ideal clients a lot of them would you know if i said it's it's a thousand to book me and you have eight hundred to spend or seven hundred mm-hmm. uh i might lose some great clients so sure no i all agree psychology, with that. Yeah.
0: all psychology yeah, for sure yeah. for sure
1: well arca yeah. i maybe you will go to wppi and we can see each other in person and i know i would love that i love that so keep an eye out for me and if anyone else yeah. is going to um, cause I think this is going to be posted a couple of weeks before WPPI. Look for me. <laughs> Yay.
0: Okay. No, have a great time. That's awesome. So two
1: questions. Yes, ma'am. Okay. So ARCA, I have two more questions for you before we Yay. sign off. Um, yes. First of all, how do we get in touch with you? And I know that you have something special that's on the PPA website. So how would people receive that?
0: Yeah. So if you are a PPA member, um, PPA just put together a pet curriculum specifically because they've had wedding curriculum, high school senior curriculum. So they just specifically put together a pet curriculum. And I've taught a ton of workshops on there and it is free to see all of that um watch all of that if you're a ppa member so definitely recommend doing that and um yeah i'm just on social media arcador photography and my website so is a r i c a d o r
1: f f.com so if somebody wants to get on your mailing list so that they can know where you're going to be next in case they want to have you photograph their pets or teach yeah. Something.
0: And, and I do have a, on the homepage of my website, you can add your email in there and I send out four emails a year. Um, Lucy might not agree with that, but I do emails quarterly. So I just send four emails a year so I can keep everyone updated with when my road trip is starting and where I'm teaching and mm-hmm. um, announce my pet photography retreat. I'm doing it in California this year. Did I tell you that? No, where where's I am. It gonna well, it's going to be, it's going to be Northern in Sacramento. Oh, nice. California. So yeah, I've been doing it in the Pacific Northwest, and I decided to switch it up and do California this year. Awesome. So, yeah, it's going to be in August. so I'm excited. So cool. Be in a new place. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: so the last question is about either something you'd like us to take away, like your final mm. thoughts, or is there something that you're like, oh, I really should have also I forgot I wanted to share this. So what's your okay
0: this is my final thought going along with what we were talking about before kind of finding yourself and all of that Mm -hmm. I had a student that I was working with a photographer and it's funny because in your world you call them clients right and Mm -hmm. um, in my world I call my clients those are the photography people hiring me to do their portraits and other people I call photographers right Mm -hmm. but there was this gal who was doing mentoring with me and She's just like, I'm doing all the things that you're saying. And, you know, I tried the silent auction thing and I tried adoption portraits and I did whatever, and nothing's really bringing me business. And they're just people in my area just won't spend that much on portraits and just on and on and on. Mm -hmm. And I kind of stopped her and I said, here's the thing I can tell you all day long what I do and how I do it, but it is never going to work for you until you actually believe that you can do that. Until you believe that you can have a successful business until you believe that clients are going to spend that much. And I know that's like, sounds so voodoo, you know, but it's like, I'm going to tell you a quick story. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I was reading this book, it was talking about the power of the subconscious mind. So I, at the beginning of my road trip, I was reading this book and it was talking about manifesting things and talking about things as if they've already happened, right? Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, well, I have a $28,000 loan left on my camper van, my new camper van. And I'm going to pay that off at the end of this road trip in January. And logically, I don't know how I'm going to do that. Like I would have to increase my sales average by like, you know, $600, um, for every single session that I did. Cause I'm not going to take extra sessions. I'm not going to work anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not taking more than 50 sessions. Um, but I was like, that's what I'm going to do. And I didn't really have a plan for it. I just started telling everybody, my friends and my family, like, Oh, how's everything? Well, I said, good. The road trips, you know, starting next week. And I was like, yeah. And in January, I'm going to have my camper van. They're like, that's amazing. You just bought your camper van. I was like, yeah, I'm excited. It's going to be great. You know? So I just said that and I wrote it as an affirmation card. I read it every morning before I got out of bed mm-hmm. and I just put it out there in the universe. And it's not just saying it. You can't just say I'm going to lose weight or whatever. It's like, you know, or I'm going to be healthier. I'm going to eat like this. It's like, you have to believe it in your soul. Right. And I just believed it. And magically at the, and I said, so I need to make $122,000. That's the number I need to hit. And at the end of my road trip, I grossed $120,000. <laughs> and I just magically, I was like, I, that feels a little bit voodoo, you know? But it's <laughs> like I was telling this girl that I was doing the mentoring with, and I was like, until you believe that you're going to have those types of clients, until you believe that you're good enough, until you believe that the prices that you're charging are what you're worth, you're not going to get it. It's not going to happen until you believe that deep in your soul. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, so it's just one of those things that, um, I don't know, it, it's it's a book actually called The Power of the Subconscious Mind. But mm-hmm. I just, yeah, I think that we, we have the power to manifest things in our lives. right? And, and
1: so, I don't know if it's angels or just our own subconscious mind that does things differently or discovers opportunities or if it's the energy that we're putting out. You know, when people are putting out energy of, oh, this won't work in my community, that's a very heavy energy. And you're right. It won't. Or it could be. That's what you believe. (laughs) Yeah. Who knows why? Yeah. Uh, You know, it can be from super woo woo voodoo or to just really logic that what you pay attention to is what grows, you know,
0: or people say there's no good men in this city. Yeah, you're right. You're not going to find a good man in this city because that's what you believe. You know? And by by believing
1: it, your whole self mm -hmm. is not a magnet for the good man. Mm -hmm. Because you're carrying negativity.
0: Yeah. Or a good woman or whatever people love. Yay. Good dog. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Good. Good. Yeah,
1: totally. Yeah, I love that. I'm so glad we got the chance. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Lucy. Next conversation. You're just a delight. And I still love, uh, she and I were at imaging two years ago. Yes. Two years ago at a little get together for pet photographers. And I was like, you're Arika Oh my gosh. I've been admire you from afar. And she's like, You're Lucy Dumas. I've been listening to your podcast endlessly. So it was like this magical connection. So nice to catch up with you. And I know that people are, you know, there's so many chapters to this conversation that, um, and so stay tuned everyone. And I'll do a little wrap up as I can so that you can go back and re-listen to whatever chapters resonated with you. Um, So thank you so, 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 so much, Arka. All right. So Arka and I had a nice little follow-up chat about all kinds of things related to our conversations. And I'm going to see if I can summarize a little bit. We talked about an issue when you create a lifestyle where you don't have to be hard charging, cranking it all the time, then how do you get comfortable being less active and having more free time. And um, I was kind of comforted to hear that I'm not alone, that there's, you know, the fact that she has to have like a two or three week transition after doing a lot of activity, um, you know, it, it kind of comforts me in a way. Um, We also talked about pet expressions Mm -hmm. Some great uh, tips about uh, with outdoors, asking questions about people like the dog's mouth open, which is perceived as a smile or closed, and making sure to bring the, the pet's personality out. Um, we talked about the difference between outdoor photography and studio, and also about um, posed versus more candid. I thought that was a nice little share. And we talked about how to sell remotely. And I love that she's having great success doing online. And I have great success doing it on person. I have great success doing in-person sales using a projector and a movie screen or another, some big white surface. And that the core is developing that relationship where we can guide them and then having a systematic plan for making those sales. So we talked about so much more stuff than that. So I would suggest you go back and listen. And I also would suggest that you make sure that you get my, my gifts. If you go to lucydumascoaching.com because then you'll also get notices about shows coming up and, I'll be sending out a request. If you've got some questions you'd like answered on my show, I'm going to start doing some Q&A episodes. So that's it for today. And I'm just sending you all a great big hug because if you were listening carefully, you heard that I need some hugs, even if they're virtual (laughs) and I will talk to you later. Bye.